On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Ben Doxey, Haggy alumni, and apparel designer for Cotopaxi, an outdoor product company based in Salt Lake City with a focus on doing good. We discuss his experience working for multiple outdoor brands, his thoughts on building a more sustainable industry, and why he designs product. Okay, welcome back everyone. This is Chase Anderson, and with me today we've got Ben Doxey from Cotopaxi, apparel and product designer and former student here at Utah State. Thanks for coming up and coming back to campus. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, You went through the Outdoor Product Design and Development Program, um, spent time with us, um, and uh, you're now at at Cotopaxi. I'd love to hear a little bit about the company, um, and then we'll get into your journey to the company. But first of all, for those who might not know, and I think most people who are going to be listening to this know what Cotopaxi is, but do you mind telling us a little bit about the company? Yeah, so Cotopaxi is a B Corp, a certified B Corp um, that is five years old, and it was started by a group of, of individuals, including Davis Smith, who is the CEO, and two designers, Shri Sanguinetti and, and CJ. And the company has grown since that time, um, some of the co-founders have left, and um, Cotopaxi is going to new places with the Cotopaxi Foundation that they just launched this year. Oh, that's great. How did you get involved with the company? So uh, three years ago, I reached out to Cherie, and uh, Cherie was looking for an intern, and I applied to be an intern with her and uh, got the position. I definitely was not qualified to do any design work, but was able to learn more about product and, and, and be with her, which was a great role model. That's great. Um, how, how did you develop that relationship? How did that come about? So CJ and Sheree came up to do group interviews up here at Utah State, and I was in an interview with a few other people. I had a very poorly put together portfolio and definitely did not stand out. And uh, several weeks went by and I didn't hear that anyone got the position. So I decided to write CJ and Sheree and see if they were still looking for an intern. And, uh, CJ actually got back to me first and said, you know, we'd be interested in, in meeting with you and Sheree will reach out to you tomorrow. So Sheree actually emailed me back and it took them several weeks to respond to my email, which I thought they were never going to respond to. And, uh, Sheree said, can we do bre- uh, breakfast tomorrow in Salt Lake? So I drove down to Salt Lake and went to breakfast with her on a Saturday. And uh, she offered me the job. And and uh, I didn't, it was like a month before before I was supposed to start. So I uh, spent the whole summer down in their old office in Cottonwood Heights and helped them move to to their office downtown. And did I say three years ago? I think it was four. Oh, yeah. I think it was yeah. four years ago. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then what what happened after that? You spent some time with them interning. Yep. So Shree and I, uh, m- you know, we have a very good relationship. And I've watched her dogs before. I stayed at her house. Uh, and she continued to be a, a key role model and, and support through through my other internships. Uh, in fact, we would, we would, you know, message or, like, get on the phone and, and talk about how things were going. Uh, while I was at Patagonia, um, and that was my last internship while in school, she reached out in the middle of the summer and said, hey, I think we, we have the money to bring on another designer, and um, I would love for you to put in an application. And so 
it created a little bit of a difficulty because I needed to uh, finish school early or or go ahead and or, or, or stay in school or take the job. So uh, I kind of rushed and tried to figure some things out and we figured out a way for me to, to finish school with a degree um, and and also go move forward with that with that position with Cotopaxi. Right. So what is the position at Cotopaxi? What are you doing so, currently? So yeah. So I started as a product designer one. That is my that is my official title at Cotopaxi. Uh, when I started, I worked on a few bags and and some other little uh, side projects. But uh, a few months into my job, Sheree ended up leaving, and we needed more support with the apparel. Uh, Sheree is an apparel designer, and so I went full head into apparel, which I was working on at Helly Hansen and, and Patagonia. So I was very excited about, and apparel makes a lot of sense to me. So it's uh, creative, uh, creatively, it's not as challenging and as, as bags are. And, and so I was really excited about that. Um, so since that time I've been focusing only on apparel, we, we changed our calendar from a direct to consumer calendar, which is much shorter to a wholesale calendar. So we uh, did a few seasons in in, a f- in one calendar year, which was a big um, a big move for us and a, a, a lot of work for a very small team. What yeah. does the difference look like focusing on direct to consumer and now into wholesale? Like, what did that transition look like? How does it affect a designer day to day when you're working on product that's made for wholesale versus direct to consumer? So when you're working with direct to consumer, the your your product margin is much higher, and you have a lot more flexibility to explore things, uh, do smaller runs of a product, and yeah, it's just it's just easier. There's less less constraints when you're moving into wholesale. You need to listen to what the buyers are saying, what you need to design into a way that uh, the certain buyers that you have relationships with, or that those buyers will buy from you, meet those re- requirements. So uh, one example is we made this this tech sweatshirt and one of them didn't, was a crew and it didn't have a hood and one of our buyers wasn't able to buy it because it didn't have a hood. Um, it fell into a different category, uh, which was a different buyer. So there's all kinds of uh, parameters that you have to, to follow and and be much more on top of your game. You can't you can't deliver late product. So everything is, is affected to meeting deadlines to to margin, to product quality. It just sounds like overall everything's a little higher stakes. Every, everything's higher stakes, yeah. Did you welcome that challenge? Was that, I mean, especially as a new designer, how far were you into your position at Cotopaxi when you really started to transition into wholesale? And was that a challenge as a new yeah, designer? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think it was about eight months in that the executive said that we were changing the strategy to focus more on wholesale to be able to grow the business and and continue to run the direct to consumer channel, but um, relying more on that on that wholesale. So the the challenge was big because we didn't have a, a design uh, lead, a full time design lead. At the time, we had a, a great interim director who who really helped us and helped us get to the place that we needed to be. But there are lots of things as far as branding and uh, brand strategy and and product vision that are, are hard to to continue to move forward when you're focusing on just delivering product. And so there are things that, that suffer, but you 
you still deliver a great product. Right. So what does a day-to-day look like for you uh, in a position as a, an apparel designer for an outdoor brand? Yeah. So day-to-day, it really depends on the time of the year. So we, as, as we go through the design process, uh, early in a season, we're spending the majority of our day looking at uh, fa- fra- fabric trends and uh, styling trends, color trends. We're looking at all types of things that will be influencing the season. And pulling a lot of inspiration. After that, we're going heavy into design. We're doing lots of sketching, whether that uh, is on the computer or by hand. Uh, we do a lot of both, and and then going through you know design reviews and getting feedback from from team members. Doing lots of presentations in front of people, and then after that, we go into tech pack. So, in you know, you move from this place where you're gathering all this information and presenting it to everyone and trying to come up with what will be the best product for us to just like heads down, headphones on, and just working, at, you know, just working away every day, trying to get these tech packs, do- tech packs done and, and get first products in, in the highest quality we can that will be closest to the final product. So really giving like the best dimensions, going the extra mile and filling everything out. I feel like you had the interesting opportunity to experience three probably very different companies. Um, What were the main differences that that you saw being a part of those organizations? And what did you take away from each of them um, that's helped you get to where you are now? Yeah, so let me just start with my internship at Cotopaxi. So watching Sheree design was obviously night and day different from Patagonia. And... Shree had the the ability as a small company and as the solo apparel designer at the time to be able to get inspiration and see what was going on in the market. And Shree is very forward thinking and and always on the cutting edge of of new ideas. And 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 she would take those ideas and actually design tech packs, well, design product and create tech packs at the factory with our partners. So she did everything on the floor at the time, and then they would see. Uh, prototypes there where Patagonia you have these layers that the product goes through right and and everything is very well curated so everything every tech pack needs to every line weight needs to be you know a specific like point and uh, make sure that you're using like the correct black sketch line black and everything is so clean and uniform and and curated where Shree's tech packs maybe were not always the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, much more loose because she she didn't have to communicate it to to all these different teams. She only had to communicate it to herself and a few others. So it's totally different. And then at at Helly Hansen, they had had style guides as well, but definitely not as strict as what we saw at Patagonia. Yeah. And now in your in your role at Cotopaxi, how does it as a designer, how many styles are you working on at, at any given time? And is it a challenge to, to work on the products that you're designing and make sure that they fit within kind of this larger vision, a larger line? How's that been for you? We stay to we have our inline product that we're doing for our wholesale accounts. And then we have uh, we have things that come up maybe off season that we will create our own calendar for. And that is maybe direct to consumer or we won't be putting in wholesale. 
and 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 the, those projects are really fun. They're, you know, there are a lot of extra work to be able to weed in and 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 make that work. But we also have, um, yeah. So so going back to the style count number, we we are not doing like like huge redesigns of product. We're we're trying to like condense our our line and focus on on core bestsellers. And so we will do anywhere from like 20 to 30 styles a season, which doesn't sound like that much. Um, and it's, and it's definitely, it's a lot smaller than what a lot of other companies are doing. But, um, the place that we're at, we need, we need like key sellers and not just a lot of filler pieces. Oh, that's great. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, what attracted you to the outdoor industry? More of a personal question. Like, w why do you choose to be a part of this industry? And, and uh, when did you realize that you wanted to work in the sports and outdoor industry? Yeah, so the outdoor industry is interesting because it it has so many different aspects to it, right? You have, like, you have guides. You have people who are, like, in the actually outdoors who are part of the industry, I, I always think like, well, who are, who are the people that get the industry discounts, right? And it's like a lot of people. It's people who are running ski lifts. It's people who have corporate jobs. It's accountants. It's, um, it's supply chain specialists. It's a ton of people. And the other industry is, is a place that I was probably most drawn to because the program offered a great outlet to there. And it's, it felt very comfortable. If I look at like fashion or sportswear, it feels um, much more separate than than like who I am as a person. And I've never had a hard time connecting with with peers because they all have similar values yeah. for me. Personally. What are what are some of those values that uh, resonated with you? Well, ever since I was young, I, I you know I've loved the idea of conservation. And in high school, we brought they had like this earth club and we brought this club back to school that hadn't been around for like 15 years. And we started recycling again and Mitch maybe doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. We don't know, but, uh, but I, I love the aspect and I, I, I was always drawn that the people in the outdoors industry, a lot of them are activists and, uh, they're, they think outside the box and you also get a lot of people who, who are academics and and bring a level of of education to the industry, which is cool. And you mix that with like this passion, and it's it's not just like about money, you know. Like you you talk about finance, you you talk to finance people, and it's just about money most of the time. So I I love the mix between this activism and standing up for something that like you be, you believe in because you love it and um yeah and, and and wanting to be part of it part of it you know help, help helping to people in the outdoor industry want to make the outdoors better for everyone and that's what's really cool it seems like people who are in the outdoor industry typically and hopefully are very intentional about why they do the things that they do yeah. right and and why they're a part of it and um but at the same time you can go to trade shows outdoor retailer and you walk around and you kind of see a lot of the same stuff. And, um, uh, sometimes I think would the most sustainable thing be not having half of the brands even mm -hmm. exist. Right. Did yeah. you ever find yourself, um, 
kind of kind of having this crisis of you know I, I love to create but do i really want to create more stuff and how do you avoid creating more stuff like we don't need more more, more stuff and i i believe that codepaxi is making stuff that matters how do you so, how, do, how have you wrestled have you wrestled with that at all yep i i have and when i think about when i think about people who are trying to grow a business and the the most compelling thing that someone says to show off how big their business is they say when I was at the company, it was X million, right? And when I left, it was this much. Right. And is that really something like to be proud of? I don't know, because when we look, and, and, and everyone always talks about market share. So, and I'm not an economist, but I've been like really thinking about this. So, and, and someone can like go and check what market share is. But market share is when it's the amount of, of sales that you're taking from the entire group, right? And so, and and I don't know this, but um, people are always excited to take over more market share. And so, when for a company to grow, they either have to take consumers from another brand, so someone is choosing Adidas over Nike, or they're being pushed into a position where they consume both. And um, so, I d I do think about this a lot. Do we need do we need all these brands and do we need all these other small brands that are coming to to continue to like put more product into into the cycle? Do I need a Cotopaxi jacket, a North Face jacket, and a Patagonia jacket? Um, no, I don't. And and then that like kind of opens up this discussion about inferior goods. And there's like absolutely no space in our world for like knickknacks. I don't know, this is extreme. But for for things that just like take up space that really don't add value are not influenced in the culture and that aren't pushing design or like the society forward. So I think about like freebie things that like are handed out at festivals. Swag, yeah. Oh, our yeah. swag. Yeah, I absolutely hate it. And and it's so sad when when I like bring something home and then it's like, this is like, this took so many resources to make, like even some, I don't know, just some dumb little thing, you know? And I always think about like, even like the lanyards at OR, like I, I want to take my lanyard back so I can reuse it. But uh, there's just so many resources that are used to create really bad stuff, like really bad product. And, and so I think, I think we should definitely do away with that. And, it's really hard to know how we how we continue forward. I I actually got like in a disagreement with someone about how big does a company need to like grow to be like sustainable. So from what I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, but Patagonia is like getting to a place where they want to just sustain. And I don't know, I don't know where I've heard this, so we can we can fact check it, but. They, they they don't want to necessarily keep growing. They just want to, like, sustain. And when I think about, like, a community, like, everyone has a job, right? You just, like, add more people in. It just, like, is you just need more jobs. Um, and so at what point do we just, like, reach, you know, every, once, once a company reaches that point of we have, like, all the roles and we're creating the best product, do we need to add more people just to create, just to push more product? I I don't think so. 
Yeah, I, I've thought a lot about like the business model that yeah. most companies, um, you know, have and, and need to survive, quote unquote, need. And it's all a lot of it's based on repeat sales, right? It's like yeah. selling out product to, to customers and then creating something else once they've been hooked on your product to buy something else that maybe complements that. And I've always thought, is there a way that a company could could be created that doesn't survive on that model and instead well we all we need to sell is one product to each person rather yeah. than you know try to suck people in and and sell people on on more stuff maybe maybe we only realistically need to sell one piece of product to each person that exists right yeah and and they keep that and they use it throughout their life i don't know if that's a sustainable business model but it kind of goes up against that you know, we need to just consume more and create more and, and feed our customer more stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's even possible, but I'd love to see someone attempt that instead of how do we find repeat customers? How do we find one customer that needs one thing from us and then they're good? Yeah. I don't and know if that's even possible. Yeah. But and, and, and I like the idea that, that designers and companies should compete. You know, when someone chooses a company that is doing better things, and is creating a better product, they should support them, and they and they should and they should not support the company that's not doing that. I just get nervous when when someone consumes all the brands, mm -hmm. uh, or or just consuming too much, um, because it's like giving false hope to like these companies that shouldn't be making sales. I don't know. That's just that's just my thoughts. And 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 the, and the reason I thought about this is because there's a huge movement like in personal. You know, and and these people, in individuals' lives with and on the internet of financial independence, you know, and these people get to a place where, like, they can just sustain their lives and they don't need a lot of excess, and so they're cutting everything out and they're keep keep getting the simplest life they can. And yeah, I I'm very interested to see how how you could follow that model into business. When you were looking for like a full-time position or even for internships, how important it was it for you to, I mean, during the interviewing process that it wasn't you just being interviewed, you were interviewing the company and you made sure to align yourself with the brand that, that shared your same values. How important that is that to you? Cause I, I imagine a lot of people who want to work in the industry just want their in, especially when it's a first job, right? You just want to get in. Yeah. But how important was it for you to make sure that you were interviewing the brand and making sure that you aligned with them? Yeah, I mean, I think I got lucky with with getting a full time position with Cotopaxi and and having the fact you know having the fact that they have the the Cotopaxi Foundation and and give to a lot of grantees. I uh, while at Helly Hansen, sustainability and is is not necessarily a focus. And it was interesting to have discussions with some of the designers about their impact and and what they thought about uh, consumer goods and and where the, where the future of it went versus the conversations that we've had at Cotopaxi and, and Patagonia. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's interesting. So more of a personal question, how do you avoid creating more stuff? How do you stay creative? How do you, where do you find your inspiration for, for new product so that you ensure that it's something that's going to be matter and be impactful? Um, it's really cool because you as a designer have the potential to take something that's in your head and make it a reality, you know, you know, with a team, of course. Um, but how do you make sure that, you know, you're making stuff that matters personally? So first thing is, is that 
I never want to make something that's I consider an inferior good. You know, I never want to make something that's so low quality that shouldn't ever be made, and I don't want to be part of that. Uh, second is CJ and Sheree like paved an incredible path of using upcycled materials, and we see that in the bags and the and the Tekka story at at Cotopaxi of taking these these remnant um, materials and and turning them into products that that can be sold. So we're continuing to to pull remnant from a lot of our partners and mills, and we think it's it's a very sustainable way of like dealing with with the resources that are already created and trying to create top quality goods from them. So it's a huge pain and it's something that big companies can't do as easily, I think. We will see if someone else can, can come out on a large scale and do it. But we yeah, we're really passionate about the upcycled stuff and, and that's I think it's even better than than using recycled materials. So it sounds like, luckily for you, you're not in put in compromising situations where you have to, as much, yeah, I imagine. I'm sure that comes up sometimes, but you're not put in these situations where you have to decide, oh, wow, like do, do I really want to make this thing that I don't believe in? Um, so I, I imagine that infrastructure and the you know that's where the yeah. values come in. So luckily, it sounds like you don't have to put yourself in that yeah. situation as much where you're compromising some of those values. Um, why do you personally design? What attracted you to design? You know, this is like a standard, typical like question that everyone asks in every interview. Um, it's a great one for anyone that's listening that hasn't had like an interview at a job before because this is what they'll ask you. For me, it's about people. So it's a very unique experience to be able to create something that, that someone you don't know will like interact with, like have emotional experiences with. And... Um, and will like use, you know, uh, the other night, like my wife was looking at this like fleece that she has and she's like, this is like my first fleece. Like I can't get rid of this. And it's like, wow, that is incredible that like we create these emotional connections, um, with product, uh, things that have like gone through experiences with us, you know, gone through like breakups or like, uh, like hard times and, or happy times. And, and it's really special to, to offer someone something that they can like use that's functional and and like like be part of the journey with them. So for me it's all about people. And I I'm like one hundred percent invested in creating great product for Codefaxi and it breaks my heart when we like mess up and like we, we didn't like satisfy the customer. Um, I have absolutely like no ego for saying like, well, the customer didn't know the intended use or whatever. Um, it's our fault that we didn't think that it could be used for this because someone found value in using it in this way. So, I yeah, I, I love the connection with the, with the customer. And in fact, I love going out during like the holidays after Black Friday. We have the, all this backup with with orders and like seeing what people are buying. You know, like like putting the boxes together and like putting the stuff in the boxes and the orders, and uh, and like you know like cool, this guy's getting a sleeping bag and like a fuego and some other stuff and he's going to love it. You know, like it's so fun. It's so fun to see that they're real people getting the stuff. Yeah. And it seems like people in the outdoor industry, especially have this attachment to stuff because the outdoor industry is all about experiences and adventures and, and, 
in a lot of ways people depend on their gear for their warmth or performance or you know all, all these different things right um and so it seems like especially in the outdoor industry and in climbing right you have people who will take pictures of their rack right of yeah. of of gear um and they're so proud of it yeah. um that's that's definitely interesting i think more than other people or other industries or other products there's there's some kind of an, an attachment and and maybe it's because it's tied to experience yeah and it's yeah it's so interesting how people like take pride in like their gear like they're they are proud to like have this jacket or proud to have this gear uh where it's so weird because they didn't even like design it. They just purchased it and they've used right. it like they've used it. And that's maybe why, why they're proud. But right. that, that connection is very interesting to me. Right. Um, have you had that first experience of seeing, I mean, you've been at the company now for how many years full time? Uh, two years. So you've had the chance to see some of your product that you've worked on out in the wild. Yeah. Is that right? And yeah. What, what was that experience like? So what was the first time? Do you remember the product? I do. Yeah. So uh, the first time, that I saw one of my products in, in the wild. It's, it's called the Cotopaxi, um, the tall T A A L. So it's a convertible backpack and just side bag. And it's, it skews a little bit more feminine. It's a, it's a Deltia bag, part of the Deltia line. And, um, I think it's just going on as choice now or something. So you can, you can find it. Um, you, you can pick out a color online, which is cool now, but, I, I was at a at an art show every year. Zions Bank downtown at their headquarters does an art show, and I saw a girl there. You know, it was like Salt Lake, so there's a lot of Cotopaxi. And and I was like, hey, like, how do you like that bag? And she's like, oh, I love this bag. It's so awesome. And we just got back from this trip in England, and it was like the perfect like size bag to like throw our jackets in. And but like, it's not like so. It doesn't look big. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I was like, have you like worn it as a backpack? And she's like, oh yeah, like I like transform it all the time. I was like, oh sweet. It's like, yeah, I, I was the one who worked on this. Um, and she's like, no way, that's that's awesome. So it was, yeah, it's it's fun to fun to see the product product in real life. See see the people who are using it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah and hopefully that magic doesn't wear off. I'm I'm sure you've had that experience yeah. a few more times. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, kind of taking a little bit of a transition away from from the company but uh what are some of the outdoor activities that you enjoy most like what and and what attracted you to to the outdoors it sounds like from a really young age you were involved and and loved being outside but what are the activities that you enjoy most yeah so growing up we did a lot of hiking and camping and then in my late teen years i and my early 20s i spent four summers in jackson hole uh, being a river guide. So, um, I was like living in like a big, uh, canvas tent and taking groups down, down to the scenic section of, of the national park. And then also down the whitewater. So I, I grew for like this love of the outdoors and just how calm and simple it was. And it was also fun to be able to get pro deals. And I realized that there's this whole side to being a professional in the industry, right? So I, I thought, well, how, how can I apply like my skills and, and still be part of that, um, that professional side of the industry, which is cool. So, so that's really how I got in. Um, what I like doing now, there's, so I love like hiking and just, just doing everything. I, I don't know. I, I love just getting out. Um, but the thing I love more than anything is just spring skiing 
And I love there's those like warm days in March and April that you can get out mostly April and this year it was even later, but get out and you can wear shorts and a t-shirt and just ski. And it's like the most fun. Um, I'm like not one for, I don't care about like marking off peaks. Like I think I, I enjoy like a really hard hike and like hiking is something really tough, but, um, I'm all about including everyone and not ex like I hate exclusion and I hate it when people, this does happen in industry, when people think they're, they're too good for everyone else. Um, I love what Outdoor Voices has done with, with fitness and making it feel like everyone can participate, um, no matter like your, your gender, race, um, anything. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, you're actually taking this direction that I, that I wanted to go. And it, it seems like Cotopaxi does a, a pretty good job of making sure that that definition of outdoor activity isn't only the extreme activities. And I yeah. think that's a problem that the industry's had for a long time. It's, it's always the aspirational, you know, someone who's doing some incredible feat, which is, is great. And I think those are stories worth telling. Um, but sometimes it's at the expense of people whose outdoor activity is going on a walk with their dog, right? Or people yeah. who live in a large city and what's my outdoor activity, right? My yeah. outdoor activity is commuting to work on my bike or just going to the park. Um, so I, I, is that a value that, that you see in, in Cotopaxi? And it sounds like you share those values, but is that something that you see that Cotopaxi is trying to do is make sure that the outdoors is for everybody? Absolutely. And, and Cotopaxi, in the early days, it was all about exploration. So they were exploring if they should be... Uh, you know, a top performing brand or a lifestyle brand, and and we have chosen the route of lifestyle brand. And one of the one of the early insights from Sheree was that she wanted to make a lot of our product unisex, and so a lot of the sizing is unisex. So you might look in the inside and you see like an M, like an MS, and a W, uh, M. So like women's medium, men's small, and. And that's, and like people get confused and they're like, well, what does this mean? And it's like, well, it's unisex. So, uh, you know, you can buy this and your boyfriend can wear it or your, your brother can wear it too. But, and, and, and you see that in some of the color blocking as well. We, we want to push people to not feel like they have to just like stick to, stick to the older rules and that they can express themselves however they would like. And today with fit issues, um, and to help um, accommodate for more more sizes, we some of our new styles do have uh, gender specific sizing, but a lot of the a lot of the design is is still unisex, which is really cool, I think. And yeah, it's all about that inclusion, and so that's something that's been with us since the beginning, and it continues with us. That's great. That's exciting to hear. Yeah. Um, I wish we had more time. We ought to do part two at some point because <laughs> this has been fun. Um, how do we stay in touch with the brand? I know Cotopaxi.com, um, all social media. If you look up Cotopaxi, you'll find them. If yeah. people want to reach out to you and, and talk with you more about your journey, how do we keep up with what you're working on? Yeah, so, and one thing I would encourage people to do is Cotopaxi has a lot of really cool events, and we hold things at the office. Um, we hold, like, camber events and all types of things. So you should you should go on our website and find out when things are happening or go visit our store in Salt Lake or Fashion Place. 
and see when when things are happening. You can definitely get involved and and meet people in the company that way. And if you want to like schedule a visit to come see the office or something, uh, we're always open. So you can just let us know ahead of time. You can email me at ben at codepexy.com or you can find me on LinkedIn at Benjamin Doxy. Um, and then we can chat from there. Well, great. This has been awesome. Thanks again for taking the time. It's always good to have an Aggie back as yeah. well and talk to you. <laughs> Thanks so um, much, Jason. So thank you for everything that you're doing at the brand and in the industry and, and for taking some time with us today. Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found and enjoy more stories and content at highlandermag.com. Yeah.